0: I'm going to start on a little negative note today, but uh, it will get better, I promise you. Um, But I want you to think about this with me this morning. If you were told the exact time and place and circumstances of your death, how would you respond? Somebody came to you and said that on Thursday at at 4 o'clock, this is what's going to happen to you. and, And you knew that it was true. What would your response be? Would there be regret and sadness? Would there be bargaining, trying to to change God's mind on that? Maybe for some, you'd need to find that person you've offended and, and try to make things right and reconcile. Or would you have peace? Would you have joy? Because of the assurance of what is to come in eternity. There is a man in history who knew the exact date, time, and manner of his death before the events leading to it even began to unfold. In fact, he knew all of this information before he was even born. One day he shared with his closest friends the details of this impending suffering and death. He told them a result of his death would cause their lives to be dramatically changed. But that's not the most unbelievable part of this story. After he assured them he was in fact truly going to die, he told them it wasn't any big deal. He told them not to sweat the fact that that he was going to die because in just three days he was going to come back to life. This is truly an unprecedented announcement. And so we ask the question, is this a guy for real? Could anybody possibly understand that information? It seems too good to be true. His name is Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 20. I'm just going to read it for you this morning. Matthew chapter 20 verses 17 to 19 says this. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples aside and he said to them, "We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and he will be and he will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified." Go back with me to that moment when the disciples heard those words. Jesus was their leader. For three and a half years he had been walking this earth doing nothing but good, showing love and compassion to people. He had all kinds of promises made. Think about it. He had all kinds of promises made to these men about what their future was going to look like. And for them it was all dependent on the fact that he was going to be around. And now he's telling them that not only is he going to die, but he's going to die in a very, very disgusting, tragic, and fearful manner. But then he adds these words. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Wow. That sounds like information that's too good to be true. Is it good? Absolutely. Is it true? Definitely. And this truth is a critical stone in the foundation upon which we build our faith. I was talking with the worship team this morning, and I I said, you know, it's it's usually just two or, or maybe three weeks out of the year that we get to look at the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, the story that I'm about to read for you this morning is familiar. You've heard it uh, many times if you've been part of the church on Easter Sunday. But I want you to get beyond just the facts of the story. We're not going to talk a lot about the facts of the story. Remember, our purpose in this series is to talk about what difference do these facts of Scripture make in our lives. So try to get over the fact you know the story and just listen for the truth God wants to impart in your heart today. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 28 beginning at verse 1. It says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Today is a day of celebration. Today is a day of recognition of the power and the authority of what God has done in our lives. We can celebrate today that the resurrection of Jesus is our source of hope, and this hope comes with benefits. Can you pray with me? Father God, I just ask today that you would clarify my mind and that you would protect my mouth. Father, that those things that are said would be from you. Lord, I pray against those things that uh, in my humanness I would mistake. And I pray, Father, that those that hear would understand and that understanding would lead, Father, to application And our lives will be different because of the truth today. I ask that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I want us this morning to be reminded of the importance of the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. We understand that God's hope brings freedom from anxiety. What is one of the benefits of the resurrection? I'm going to say it this way, and then we're going to talk about it we have absolutely nothing to worry about. In our lives, we have absolutely nothing to worry about. Look at verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I told my wife, you've got to watch me this week. I've been feeling a little sarcastic, <laughs> which is kind of my normal state of mind. My daughter claims that's her spiritual gift. She got it from me. <laughs> what could these ladies possibly have to be afraid of? In the past three days, a man they deeply cared about had been arrested and put through a ridiculous trial. Through false testimony, he had been convicted of a crime that they knew he did not commit. He had been beaten beyond recognition. He had been mocked. He had been spat upon. He had been stripped of his clothing. He had been humiliated. They had to watch as the crossbeam of the instrument of his own death was strapped to his back and he had to march through the streets of Jerusalem carrying that bloodied and weakened by the beatings that had already taken place. And then they stood by as nails were driven into his hands and feet. And a crown of thorns pressed upon his head. They heard his anguish. They saw his pain. And then they watched as all 12 of Jesus' disciples ran away. Oh, Peter, he, he followed close enough to be challenged until a little girl asked him, well, aren't you one of the disciples? And, and he cursed God because of his fear. That morning they rose to come and finish the burial process, to put spices on the body of this man whom they cared so deeply for. All they wanted was a few minutes of privacy. All they wanted was, was just an opportunity to, to go to the tomb and to show their love and respect for this man. But instead, they were met with an earthquake, the second one in three days. And then an angel appeared to them. Now, I want to remind you of something this morning. These are real people. uh, These aren't just characters in a story. These are real people with real emotions and, and real concerns and real fears. And they didn't have angels appearing to them all the time. And this was not an ordinary angel. This angel sitting on the stone was so awesome in his appearance that Roman soldiers, these hardened men, had passed out just at the sight of him. Their day wasn't getting a whole lot better. They were in fear. This had not been a good week. Yet the angel in the middle of all this said these words, Do not be afraid. Right. There's there's stuff going on in my life, God, that, that it seems like you don't even... Think about or care about or know about i've got medical issues i've got family issues i've got relational issues i've got financial issues they're just stuff that's piling on and and god i just feel like i can't take anymore and you say do not be afraid how can that be the answer the angel gives in some very simple words I know you are looking for Jesus I know you are looking for Jesus you see I said at the beginning that that there's nothing that we have to be afraid of if we're looking for Jesus it's a matter of our focus It's a matter of our focus. Satan would have us getting our eyes on all of the stuff that causes us all of the grief and the pain and the frustration. And Jesus said, why don't you in turn focus on me? Why don't you focus on the truth of what I'm about to show you in my resurrection? You don't have to, to look very far or read much in the newspaper or watch much on television to know that there are struggles in this world. There are struggles in our own nation. There are threats from within, there are threats from without, and the, the, the care of those that can't care for themselves seems to be deteriorating. And from a human perspective, we could be in trouble as a nation. There's legislation, I've said this to you before, but there's legislation in our Supreme Court that wants to take away our right to even worship together. Jesus said those things aren't what we focus on. Those aren't the things that matter for all of eternity. I know you are looking for Jesus. Therefore, don't be afraid. So I ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? What's causing you anxiety? What's causing you to stress in this life? What makes you anxious? What has you so distracted that you can't keep your focus on Christ? Truth. Fear finds its origin in Satan alone. God does not produce fear. That's not part of his character. He can't. So if I'm experiencing anxiety, if I'm experiencing fear, I have allowed Satan to make the decision for how I'm going to feel today. I've allowed Satan to get a foothold into what God has intended to be a day of focus on him. I don't minimize the hurts. I don't minimize the stuff. But we need to remember not only is fear finding its origin in Satan, but Jesus defeated that fear. He paid for it with his very life. He paid for it with his very life. And at his resurrection, the angel reminds us we no longer have anything to be afraid of. It's a matter of focus. See, Satan thought he had won. Can you imagine? This is not, I can't give you chapter and verse, okay? It's kind of my head. But can you imagine how Satan must have been gloating on that day when Jesus hung on the cross and he said those words, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost and his body died. That took care of that problem. Satan was successful in using the, the Jewish leaders. He's successful in using the, the Romans to put this all together. Jesus is gone. Problem solved. See, Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know the future. Oh, he, he heard the rumors that Jesus would raise from the dead, but that's not going to happen. Satan felt he had been victorious until the earthquake, the stone moves away, and Jesus says, sorry about that. I'm back. I made that part up too. <laughs> but think about it. In that moment, Satan was defeated. Jesus was promised to us in Genesis chapter three. What did it say? It said, serpent, you're gonna nip at the heel of of, of of this woman's offspring. You're gonna have some impact. You're gonna cause them some grief. But I am sending one that's going to do what? It's going to crush your head. And when Jesus walked out of the tomb, the first day of the week, the head of Satan was crushed. And the promise of our eternity was secured. So where's my focus this morning? Where's my focus this morning? Jesus has defeated fear. And we can live in hope. How? Simply by seeking him. By keeping our eyes directed toward his purpose and his leading in our lives. I know that some of you, I, I, I've told this story to, so I apologize if you've heard it before. But I've had two instances in my life where I was convinced my life was Over. One you guys are are very aware of, 2005, I I was at a meeting in Fort Wayne, had a heart attack. And I'm going to the hospital, and and I was pretty sure this was it. Several years ago, my very first ministry, I was just a young man out out of Bible college, and I was the only one at, at this small church in Michigan where I served. And the phone rang, and, and the voice at the other end was very emotional. And the man said, uh, can you help me, pastor? And I said, well, I'll try. He said, and I, I didn't know who it was. And he said, I, I just, I need to know, how, how can I know that God is real in my life? <laughs> wow! Can you imagine, young pastor? I'm going to get this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just show this guy all there is to know about this wonderful God. And so we arrange a meeting. What I didn't know is that this man had traveled from Arkansas on the trail of his wife and her pastor with whom she had run off to have an affair. So the man who had called me, the husband, had tracked them as far as Michigan and lost them with the intent of taking the life of that pastor. Since he couldn't find him, he chose me. We get to the meeting location. There's some interaction. I'm standing in a parking lot with a knife to my throat. I'm not telling you this for dramatic effect, okay? Stick with me. But in that moment, he said this. He said, All, your pa- all you pastors o- want is to take advantage of people. You want our money, you want our, our wives, you just are, are abusing us. He said, Give me your wallet. So I pulled my wallet out. I was a youth pastor making $13,000 a year. I said, I'm not losing much here. And then he said, Give me your Bible. So I gave him the Bible, and he laid them both out, and he said, now you get one, and I get one. Now, I, I thought, you know, giving the Bible, he probably needs it more than I do right now. But I knew what he was after. And so I picked up the Word of God, and when I did, people, I guarantee you this, when I did, God flooded me with such a peace and such a comfort, not because of of the structure of that book, but because of the presence of God saying, Mike, I got this. In this moment of your greatest fear, I've got this. And I think the guy figured that out. Because he asked me, he said, aren't you afraid of me? He wanted me to be. And I said, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm really not but I'm going to take your life. I said, you can have it. In those moments of deepest fear, if we simply turn our attention away from the fear and we turn our attention toward the God of the universe who has died and risen again so that fear is defeated, we can have peace. And he wants that for us so badly. Freedom. From anxiety this freedom in this earthly existence comes because God's hope brings assurance of his promises verse 6 he is not here he is risen just as he said come and see the place where he lay these ladies were given the opportunity to see firsthand that Jesus is for real he is risen just as he said See, there have been attempts by uh, humans to, to kind of blow off the resurrection. See, the, the empty tomb, most people agree the tomb is empty. Most, most people will agree that Jesus was real. He existed. He was a human that lived on this earth. And that the empty tomb is that place that really causes a lot of problems. And so people try to explain it away. One explanation, I shared this with some, one explanation is that after being beaten, Beyond recognition, flogged so there was no longer any meat even on his back. After carrying the cross and wearing the crown of thorns, being nailed to the cross, having a spear thrust in his side, having Roman soldiers, whose job, by the way, was to execute people, declare that he was dead, he was taken down, put in a tomb, a giant stone rolled over the tomb. You know the story. Now the explanation for the empty tomb is that he really wasn't dead, but just passed out. And the coolness of the tomb awakened him, and after just three days of healing, he was able to roll away this massive stone and walk out without the soldier seeing him, which is easier to believe. We know the truth. Why was the tomb empty? The tomb was empty because Jesus promised that it would be. The tomb was empty because Jesus promised that it would be. In that instance, when the women saw the empty tomb, everything made sense. Everything Jesus taught about his relationship to God the Father now became clear. All his claims were now validated since he had kept his promise. The promise to raise from the dead, they knew he not only has the integrity to keep his promise, but he has the power and the authority to back up those promises. He promises his love and presence. He promises us that he will answer prayer. He promises that he will never leave or forsake us. In John 14, too, Jesus makes this promise. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have the guaranteed hope that we too can someday be raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says these words. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. His promises are true. We just need to put our hope in those promises. His promises are true. We just need to put our hope in those promises. I understand death is the enemy. I understand that that there's fear that's associated with death because it, it comes from the enemy. It's the worst he has to offer. But Jesus has defeated that enemy. And in that process, he's defeated death. And the only thing for those of us who by faith have put our trust and confidence in Jesus alone for our salvation, the only thing that we have to fear is the physical aspect of that. That, that vapor, that mist that, that James talks about that's gone in a flash. And then for all of eternity, we live with Jesus. That's his promise. And his promise is true when we do, it frees us to understand God's hope, brings a a hope to declare. Look at verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The first thing the angel instructed these ladies to do was to go and tell others of this news. This was too good to keep to themselves question this morning. What kinds of things get you excited enough that you want to tell somebody about it? Just this morning I've heard football scores. I've heard a conversation about TV programs. I've heard about children and grandchildren. Those are all wonderful things. But are you excited enough about what we're talking about? Are you excited enough about the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that provides for our eternity to want to tell somebody about it? That's the the command that the angel gave these ladies. They had learned that someone that was dead was not dead anymore. This is amazing stuff. I don't think the angel had to prod them too much to get them motivated to go and and tell the disciples. We have the same information. Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. But we have some additional information. Not only did he raise from the dead and will live forever, but he has given to us that same opportunity. We can live forever. And this offer is not just for us. It's for all who believe, Scripture says. We know about that. So we have the opportunity to spread that exciting news to others. Go and tell others. What an exciting opportunity that we have. And because of this, we understand that God brings hope, or brings, God's hope brings joy in any context. God's hope brings joy in any context. So the women hurried away, verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. These dear ladies did not understand all that was going on. This was all really, really new to them. They didn't uh, have all of the theology together yet. They couldn't tell the whole story. They were just seeing bits and pieces. But they had joy. Why? Jesus was alive. They had joy. Why? Because the promise was fulfilled. They had joy because they had hope. They didn't have guarantees that their lives were not still in danger their external circumstances had not changed in fact think about this with me they had probably gotten a little worse you remember the, the Jewish leaders they wanted Jesus out of the picture why because he was causing all kinds of of people to question them they were questioning the Jewish's uh, Jewish leaders authority they were questioning their their sincerity Because Jesus was teaching about love and peace and and the the hope that we can have for our eternity. while they were teaching about rules and laws. The Roman government wanted him gone. Why? Because he was getting the Jews upset, which was causing their uh, government to, to be disrupted. The Romans didn't want an empty tomb. Because it would bring that problem back. Plus, it would show that their, their army that was so well-respected couldn't even guard a tomb. They couldn't keep a dead guy in. The Jews didn't want an empty tomb because it would just get this, this group all excited again. Even if they couldn't find the body, they would get excited about an empty tomb and, see, we told you so. So the threat that caused the, the disciples to run away was still there and now intensified. They needed this hushed up. They needed this quiet. Their circumstances weren't any better. The men they were trying to find to tell this message to could already be dead. The angel said, spread the message. The message was dangerous to spread, yet the women did it, how? With joy. Oh, they were afraid. There was human is still there. But they did it with joy. The fearful circumstances were not even able to rob them of the joy of the truth of the resurrection. If your world has just been turned upside down, how can you be filled with joy? It's very simple. Because Jesus is alive. And then Jesus does an amazing thing. He brought hope to their confusion. He said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me. He assured them of his presence and affirmed the message of the angel. I know some of you are going through some pretty deep stuff right now. I know that some of you are experiencing in this life some very, very serious pain. I know that Satan has been trying to disrupt and and cause grief in your lives and in your homes and in your health. At times it seems like our world has been turned upside down. But Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is meeting us here. He's meeting us in the middle of our confusion. He's meeting us in the middle of our pain. And he's allowing us to worship at his feet. He wants you to hear these words today. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I've got this, Jesus said. We can experience joy in the middle of our struggles because Jesus is alive. What an incredible hope God has provided through the resurrection of Jesus. He's done all the hard work on our behalf. All we need to do is claim it in our own lives. This hope gives us the assurance of an eternity in heaven, but also an abundance in this life until we get there. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life to the full. I want you to to have a life of joy and peace here. How? Because Jesus is alive. Satan tries to rob this hope through troubling circumstances. But God renews our hope as we remember the most amazing miracle of all times. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Will you stand with me? Father, thank you for the reminder today of your goodness. Thank you for the reminder of your grace and of the wonder and awe of who you are. Father, thank you for the reminder that those things that Satan tries to do in our lives are are just his tricks, his way of trying to pull us away from the truth. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting today. I pray for those whose lives are unsettled and uncertain. I just ask, Father, that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring healing as they look to find Jesus. I pray that you would find, uh, provide for them joy as we're reminded that Jesus is alive. Lord, open our hearts to you today, I pray. I'm going to be quiet just a minute and let you pray. If your life is going well today and, and the, the truth of these words are just bubbling up and you understand that peace and you understand that joy and you, you, you've, you've sought Jesus, you've found that truth and, he, and he's just blessing your life, just take a moment and praise him. Just thank him. But if you're struggling, if Satan's working to rob that joy and he's working to, to pull those things that, that should be Part of our lives that bring peace, and he's trying to cause those to be frustrations and pain. Offer them back to God. Just say, God, I, I don't want to carry those anymore. I want peace. I want joy. And I understand that that peace and joy comes as I keep my focus on you, as I remember the promises that you've made through your death and resurrection that I am a child of God and that my hope is eternal. Just in in the quietness of this moment, just offer them back to God. Just ask for, for forgiveness if that's needed, but just give those struggles to him today. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. I just affirm, Father, the truth of your word. I affirm the truth of your promise. I affirm the truth of the resurrection and just pray that that would be grasped in a new and a fresh way. If you'd say, Pastor Mike, I I, I just, I'm working to give that to God. I'm working to allow him to, to fill me with that joy, to be reminded of the truth of the resurrection and allow that to be enough in my life. And I'd just like you to pray with me that God would just build that in my life and strengthen me in that truth. Would you just lift your hand where you're at? Thank you. Others, thank you. Anyone else, thank you. Anyone else? God, you're so good. And so we bless you today and ask that we go from this place ready to tell the exciting news that you've given to us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Go in peace to serve the Lord.